0: I just want to continue with that uh, theme for uh, just a short while, just a short message this morning, uh, the theme of the perfect uh, Christmas. It's very interesting when you sort of see all the vast array of magazines in our um, in our shops, newsagents, supermarkets today, huge array of magazines uh, covering every facet of interest, and... I was sort of stopped in my tracks this week uh, with the National Geographic magazine for December, December's edition. And the full front page says, In Search of the Real Jesus. And they give about 10 or 12 pages uh, over to this wonderful thing. And uh, they're looking at it from um, his historical and archaeological and from the world of art to seek out the real Jesus. And I just loved it because uh, uh, I actually got a copy. And at the end of the article it said, of course, no amount uh, of uh, new discoveries and so on and so on will shake the faith of those who truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I thought that was so, so wonderful. Well, the experts, like I said, have been telling us for months about this myth of the perfect Christmas. I hope that your Christmas is good, whatever you do, wherever you are, and whoever you are with. I hope that your Christmas is good, uh, but this whole Christmas machine starts off churning. Everybody wants a slice uh, of your Christmas pound. But for many, this attempt to create the Delia Smith, Mary Berry, um, perfect Christmas scenario uh, really does not happen. But I just truly, truly hope that it is good for you. They want to have this experience, and it doesn't really matter how much it costs, but most will be disappointed only the first Christmas was perfect. Only the very first Christmas was perfect. And all we need to know about Christmas is contained in God's holy word, the Bible. I want us to look through Luke's Gospel, Luke in chapter 2, possibly beyond the overhead, Kevin. But I want to just break up the first um, 20 um, passages, 20 verses, into little bite-sized um pieces when it comes to the bible there are two major dangers one is ignorance of the word people who don't really know what the word says and are not really bothered that is a great danger and the other is over familiarity taking the bible for granted Yeah, yeah, I know it's in Luke 1 and 2. I know it's in Matthew uh, 1 and 2. Well, I know these things. We can be over-familiar with those passages that really we hold dear. The first thing I want to look at is that God's timing was perfect. God's timing was perfect. Luke 2 and chapter 2. Luke 2 and verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Everyone had to go back to his own city. Now, I think if that happened today, there'd be a lot of traveling for us. I'd be 300 miles up the M5 and uh, we'd be scattered all over the place, going back to our roots, going back for the census. God's timing for the birth was perfect. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to his church in Galatia, he said this, But when the fullness of the time, when it was exactly the right time, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under law. Born of a woman, born under law. When the fullness of time had come. At just the right moment. You see, there could have been in any time in creation that the Saviour could have been born. But the timing for Jesus' birth was perfect. God had that day in his diary. It was a divine appointment. And everyone returning to her roots and for Joseph and for Mary, that meant Bethlehem. They went there for the census, they went there to be registered at just the right time. Perfect. Now, people talk about the, <coughs> this actual time, this, uh, the prophecy of the, the timing, and they look at Daniel. The book of Daniel is quite a complicated book. People say, hey, you need to understand, if you want to understand Revelation, you need to understand Daniel. Well, I don't know which is the, the hardest to understand, but they are difficult books, and we need to really pray and ask God to help us. But in the book of Daniel, uh, the revelation was this. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the Most High. Know therefore and understand this, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built up again and the wall even in troublesome times. Now, mathematics was never my top subject. Uh, I always got one of those could try harder could be better uh it was never ever i think one of the best calculations ever the sorry the best inventions was the calculator uh which is a, a real boon absolutely but the prophecy of daniel if we break it down to its uh, easy its easiest understanding is that messiah the christ the promised one of god would appear would be born and would die Before 70 AD. 70 weeks of years. And guess what? Daniel was absolutely spot on. If one word of God's prophecy could be found to be incorrect. You could take this Bible. You could burn it. You could dump it. You could get rid of it. If one prophecy concerning the Lord. Concerning anything and everything. The end times. It would make an absolute mockery of prophecy. God's timing for the birth of the Savior, His holy Son, was perfect. God's place for His Son to be born was perfect. Look at verse 4 as we continue to look through uh, Luke's Gospel. And Joseph also went from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth unto Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem. That's why he was born where he was in the most humblest of conditions. Jesus could have been born anywhere. He could have been born in Nazareth. He could have been born en route, Nazareth to Bethlehem. He could have been born at any time, in anywhere. Wrong. There was only one place for our Lord to be born, and that was indeed in Bethlehem. The prophecy from Micah was simple. But you, Bethlehem, a father, though you were little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from the old, from everlasting. There was only one place, one perfect place, as part of God's perfect timing. And that was Bethlehem. Even though there was no room in the inn. <clears throat> if anyone ever goes to Keswick Convention, the the secret is you have to book early. It is impossible to go up to Keswick in those first two or three weeks in July and just go up to any boarding house, guest house, uh, a hotel and say, I'd like a room, please. Sorry, there is no room in the inn. Because that little market town in Cumbria. Keswick. Is booked up. Packed up. Sold up solid. Early in the year. You cannot get accommodation. Every spare room is taken. And it was exactly that same situation in Bethlehem. There was no room. Because everyone had gone in. To the city. Who had been born there. To complete the census. And just like. Um, just like Keswick, I mean, we took a chance once and we went up two weeks early, and we went round and round. no chance. we ended up with a um, some accommodation some distance away, but we could not find a room anywhere in Keswick, exactly the same for Mary and Joseph, and her pregnancy was rapidly coming to an end. It must have been an extremely stressful situation. To find somewhere that she would have this child. There was no room in the inn. The town was packed to the gills, but for God's purposes, the place and the timing were perfect. He was the King of Kings and Prince of the Prince of Peace. Born in a manger. Yes, and this was God's way of doing things. This would mark our Lord's humility. For his next thirty-three years, God's timing for the birth was perfect. God's place for the birth was perfect. God's announcement of the birth was perfect. Have you noticed when there is a royal, uh, one of our royalty is having a baby, the the palace put it on the uh, the gold letters and they post it on the Buckingham Palace. Uh, notice board and it's on the news and everywhere and all it's it's a wonderful thing not so with the birth um, of our lord and we see uh, in our third section now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock at night and behold an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born to you this day the city of David, a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a night. What a night. God's announcement for the birth of the saviour. The messiah, the redeemer. The sinner's friend. God's announcement of his birth was perfect. God could have chosen any means whatsoever to bring about, to announce the birth of his son. He could have chosen the rich and the powerful. He could have told the king. He could have gone to anywhere. He could have gone to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. Anywhere and to anyone. But rather, he chose a perfect group. shepherds Shepherds of those days were just about the lowest of the law. If you couldn't get a job, you became a shepherd. They were obviously good men. They obviously had a hard job spending their time out in the fields. But they were not highly regarded by the townsfolk. He chose the shepherds. And the holy angels addressed these shepherds in the middle of the night, one of my our uh, most favorite uh, songs and hymns over carols over this time is Oh Holy Night. And I just love it. And it just takes me back to that night. The imagination of the hillside over Bethlehem exploding into light as the angelic messenger brought the good news of the birth of our Lord. Holy angels addressing that lot. You must be joking. No. God's choice was perfect. His timing was perfect. The place for the birth was perfect. God's announcement of the birth was perfect. And finally, God's welcoming committee after the birth was perfect. The last section of our reading in verse 15 of Luke 2. And so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled these thing, those things, Which had been told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things in her heart. Sorry, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Isn't that wonderful? It's just another night. The Lord has announced through the angels exactly what was happening. They went, they saw, they marveled. And then they went about and told everyone what they had seen. The Christian faith is probably one of the best kept secrets in the world. We who know the Lord and love the Lord, who have received Jesus as our Savior, we have done so because someone told us. The trouble is, we are a little bit hesitant about telling someone else. God could have chosen a prestigious welcoming committee for the birth of the Lord. I I was privileged um, late last year. Uh, I was asked to uh, visit friends of ours, and uh, they were due to have this baby in um, Torbay, maternity, and uh, I went, and uh, she would just come out of theatre, and there was a husband. He's, i have never seen a man with a bigger smile in my life. He, and he's holding this beautiful, brand new baby, uh, and the nurses were all happy, and the mum was—well, she wasn't too happy. She was, uh, she was, she was, yeah, she was. She was, but you know what it's like, ladies. Uh, and to to go into that room. Uh, 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 where Laura uh, uh, was and, and George with the baby. It was the most incredible thing. And yet, into that situation, 2,000 years ago, the Lord chose the lowest of the law. He chose the shepherds. God's welcoming committee was perfect. Can you imagine? You've just given birth and suddenly, hang on, it was all these. But they came, they were drawn. God had drawn them to that place. They were the welcoming committee. They were the first at the crib. They could have chosen someone else, but God didn't do. You see, God reminds us in his holy word, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, says the Lord. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If we had been God, and I think some of you may have seen those films uh, uh, where, you know, that God has given somebody the chance to be God, and we would not want that job at all. Uh, if we, we would have done things totally different, would we have chosen a per- at that time? That uh, in the middle of the night, that uh, you know, this woman was going to give birth, that Mary was going to give birth to the Son of God in a place where there was no accommodation, uh, where the only people who were going to come in to start with would be the shepherds. We would have we would have wrote a completely different story to this, but God reminds us, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. You think about the disciples, would you have chosen those 12? No way. All the 12 deserted him. If we'd have been God, we'd have said, get lost then. I'll choose 12 more. and I've got the whole world to choose from. If you'd have sent Jonah on a mission and Jonah did what he did, instead of going to Nineveh, he went off to southern Spain. We'd have said, Jonah, get lost. I'll choose someone else. But God knows the hearts of man and he is happy to use who he chooses. My ways are not your ways the angels returned to heaven the work was done the shepherds departed and went about telling everyone what a wonderful thing had happened in the town they were then left just mary and joseph and the babe the timing was perfect In reality, if this situation had happened today, it would all have had to be arranged. Well, we need to have a committee. We need to make arrangements. We need to sort this out and that. We need the welcoming committee. We need the distribution committee. We need someone in communications. No. God's arrangements for the perfect Christmas were perfect. I wonder what your idea of a perfect Christmas is. It's become, we, we, we were often, we think of when we, were, uh, when we were children, how things were so much simple, just a few toys. You know, I mean, they joke about, um, you know, a tange- couple of tangerines and some nuts. In it. So We actually used to get that. And, you know, I don't know if it's just a northern thing, but we always had tangerines and nuts and uh, a selection, but and we were happy. Life was much... You give your child a tangerine and a few nuts today and see what happens. But we we were happy. We think back. But it's all got very, very complicated. But, you know, this year, friends, we have the opportunity to turn the clock back, not to tangerines and nuts and a selection box, but just to turn the clock back to what Christmas is really all about. The idea, like I said before, of a perfect Christmas is... Really, a figment of imagination. The idea of a good Christmas is possible. The idea of the best Christmas is to put Christ back into the center. Someone said, "If you take, if you take, um, if if you take Christ out of Christmas, you're left with M and S." I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, it's right. But and that's what it's all about. You know, you got to buy this for Christmas and your new pullover ray and all that. Uh, you you know. So, but that's the idea, to go back, 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 back to where it all began, back to Bethlehem, back to the crib, and that will be all right. There's 365 days in a year, so my maths isn't that bad really. And, you know, we can celebrate Christmas every day. Not like the man that's in the little... If you, if you read the little leaflet about the Christmas at the back. He, he was actually on television the other night. The man who celebrates Christmas every day. What a fool. He has a turkey and cr- crackers and everything. You know, it's a, yeah. read about him in the little brochure about the Christmas thing at the back there. But the reality of why Jesus came can be real to each of us. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It was on the Sky News this morning that potentially 11% of the population of London will be found in a place of worship in the morning, on Christmas morning. And it made me wonder, you think about the the country, how many people will be found in a church at a nativity service, a carol service or something, some midnight mass somewhere perhaps. But how many actually know the reality of why Jesus came? Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, to be born again as a Christian, to be given a new birth. And suddenly... The perfection of Christmas all begins to fit together. Sometime um, there is doubts as to the time scale. Sometime after the birth of our Lord, we read that uh, the wise men, the Magi, the three kings—well, not three kings, but three—three three gifts from an unknown quantity of, of uh, gift bearers. They brought the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the uh, the very things that we've read about today. And we can't give those kind of things. But, you know, the best thing that we can give is ourselves. We could be the best gift that we can give. You haven't already done so. We can already do that. We can give ourselves and offer ourselves unto the Lord. I close with one little thing, and there was one of the very big Uh, churches in the centre of London and uh, the church was packed uh, one Christmas and uh, uh, as was the custom, they they had all the stewards went out and they they had the offering pouches and then they brought them back to the altar table, this great big brass plate and one by one the vicar, the rector the minister put all these pouches on the tray and piled them up Uh, and just before he's going to give thanks, this scruffy little boy walked to the front, climbed on the chair, climbed on the altar table, <gasps> climbed on top of the offering pile and just sat there. Uh, and the minister said, excuse me, what are you doing? He said, well, he said, all these people have given this. He said, I've got nothing to give but me. I've got nothing to give but me. Do you know, friends, that's all our Lord wants. It's good. It's good to give financial offerings it's good to give service uh, to his church but all that the lord wants is you oh what could i give him give him my heart the wonderful old carol tells us and i urge you again if you do not know the lord jesus as your savior let this christmas be your perfect christmas let's pray our gracious lord we thank you for jesus we thank you for all that it means. And we thank you for that first Christmas, which alone was perfect. And Lord, as we enjoy our time together tonight, in the morning, with our families, maybe even on our own, wherever we go and whatever we do, oh Lord, make our Christmas perfect with the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things we pray in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen.